Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book writer and all-round good bloke Matt Hardy about what comics he would take into an artificially intelligent robot takeover apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor, the Comic Scene Comic Club. Available from just £5 a month, you can get monthly issues of the History of Comics 1930-2030, to monthly issues of the brand new Shift Comic Anthology, and two Comic Scene specials per year. To find out more and subscribe to the Comic Club, visit comicscene.org. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Matt Hardy. How's it going? Hey, Sam. I'm good. Thank you very much. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Um, the, the sun is shining. The sky is completely cloudless right mm-hmm. now. Um, so I'm, I'm feeling brighter than usual. How about yeah. you? It's exactly the same here. Beautiful day, actually, for a change. Um, yeah. I've done my government-mandated exercise. Nice. Had a, had a nice walk along the, the seafront. And yeah, it's yeah, it's feeling pretty, pretty good, actually, for a change. Not bad. Excellent. Yeah, we are, we are on the up and up. So let, let's keep it going, folks. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on, on the podcast uh, today. It's, it's a real pleasure to have you on because our paths have crossed a few times at a few cons here and there. Have, um, and yeah. hopefully that will kind of uh, happen once again in the, uh, in the relatively near future. But for anybody that hasn't come across you just yet, what do you do in the world of comics? Uh, so I run a, uh, small press indie publisher called Mad Robot Comics, um, for which I self-publish, uh, a lot of my own work. I publish, um, books for other people. Um, I've just sent out a book called Saxon Secondhand Books, written by Ash Deadman, art by Gustavo Vargas. Um, I have been dropped into this podcast by Kieran Stevens. Uh, from Broadcast <laughs> Comics, who I also write for. Um, he's got a Kickstarter at the moment called Oculus, which he really wants me to push. Hence the reason why I'm mentioning it straight away. We'll get that out of the way now from Um <laughs> Oculus is on Kickstarter at the moment. It's, uh, it's an unusual take on a on a mix of superhero genres. So it's a little bit of um, Doctor Strange, a little bit of something else I can't say because it will give the kind of a twist away of a story. But it's um, it's a slacker superhero story. Um, and yeah, nice. search for it on Kickstarter, uh, Oculus Double C, and yeah, it's co-written with Steve, uh, Kieran Stevens. I write for Marcosia, um, Heavy Metal Magazine, um, and yeah, so I edit a bunch of stuff as well. I, I like to keep myself busy with comics. <laughs> it certainly sounds like it, Matt. And uh, and of course, folks, all of those links are in the show notes, so go check out Oculus and all of Matt's other work there. Uh, but where, where else can people find you online? Well, that's it now, isn't it? That's what we're here for, just to promote Stephen's, uh, Kieran's Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, now, now you can yes, uh, chip off, go, go have an afternoon tea. And... <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, madrobotcomics.com or matthewhardycomics.com will take you to my website uh, where a bunch of my books are for sale. If not, I'm on the usual Facebook, Twitter, Instagram nonsense. Um, come to find me. Come say hello. 
<laughs> Come get me. Come get oh, me. Excellent. <laughs> Fantastic, Matt. Um, and again, yeah, those links are in the show notes, folks. So go follow Matt whilst we're chatting. Uh, now, all of that aside, um, unfortunately, um, we're in a spot of bother here. Not only are we in, a, in the midst of a pandemic, but seemingly um, an artificially intelligent robot has <laughs> started to take over society. Um, so my question to you, Matt, is uh, what is your action plan for survival? So I love you for choosing this one. I'm re- I'm re- <laughs> Do you choose it because it's mad robot comics or is that just a, is it just random? <laughs> uh, it's random, totally random. So really? um, it's, so it's just a happy coincidence. Um, so I think when you think about artificial robot intelligence, I think you know, most genre fans would go to Terminator. That's the, the kind of the benchmark these days, isn't it? The, uh, yeah. the, um, the singularity, Skynet takes over the world, humans mm-hmm. get crushed beneath their feet, etc., etc. Um, kind of makes me, when you, you um, mm, yeah, kind of makes me think we've never actually, never actually had a story written by an artificial intelligence, have we? It's always human beings writing mm. what we think artificial intelligences would do mm-hmm. if they would take over the world. So we do it from a human point of view. So we, because if humans take over somewhere, historically, we would, you know, we destroy the destroy the culture, we conquer the lands. Um, so I've just finished reading War of the Worlds again, and that's all about British imperialism and colonialism and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I think if an artificial intelligence did try to dominate the world, I would look at it from a humanistic point of view, and I think I'd try to start a civil war. I think I would, I would survive by staying below their radar and making them fight each other. Find some way to turn the robots nice. against themselves. There's, there's also another reason I said robot civil war. We'll probably get to that in a minute. But um, yeah, um, absolutely find some way. I'd use my amazing hacker skills that I'm sure everyone has in, in science fiction to, to oh, hack the central mainframe and convince the robots that one side is undermining the other side. Um, and I just go back into my little bunker. And I'd nice. ride out the ride out the, the civil war and destroy themselves. Pick that up, is a very smart plan, kind of like the sabotage approach. Yeah, is that um, good? Because I can't fight. Yeah, hundred percent. Fight the robots. No, it's like <laughs> no and impossible, right? No, I mean, yeah. Even if I wasn't, you know, um, unfit and probably overweight, I still, yeah. Even if I was in the finest physical condition, um, with the best weapons in the world, that you know, they're in human yeah. killing machines. What am I going to do? Exactly. But yeah, we under- undermine them psychologically. That's a fantastic plan, um, and so you've you've kind of you know you've started the the robot civil war, and you're letting them fight it out above ground. Yep. You go back down into your bunker, yeah, and you start reflecting on comics to kind of to just to pass the time, um, and you start start asking yourself questions. And the first question that uh, crops up in your mind is, what's the first comic you remember enjoying? So this is where the robot civil war comes into it. Um, so, I mean, the first comic I, I remember enjoying was the first comic I ever bought. So I was eight years old and I had it bought for me. And it was a, uh, a UK reprint of the American Transformers issue one. Um, and it was literally half of the first issue because they used to chop the, uh, you know, chop a uh, 24 page American comic into, into two for the English comics. Half the first issue, um, it was 
um, a massive amount of world building, a massive amount of ideas, a huge cast of characters. Like there's uh, 30 odd characters thrown right at you. Huge big wow. concepts. Mechanical race, four million year civil war, planet destroyed by war. I mean, for an eight year old, it's like, you know, it's like reading Jack Kirby for the first time when you, you see that massive um, myth, uh, mythology of new gods that he created. For an eight year old, yeah. seeing that kind of stuff. Looking back on it from an older perspective, that initial track from issue one, it's actually not a great comic. Um, <laughs> with the greatest respect to the people who worked on it, because you know they they crafted a mythology that's lasted uh, thirty five years. Um, it's a yeah. highly commercial um, mismatch of a of a committee put together book. Um, but For no, sure. as, a, as an eight year old, I absolutely adored it to bits. So. Um, yeah, and then my second comic I, I enjoyed was X-Men yeah. 1 by, by Stan and Jack. So there you go. So I obviously like... <laughs> and where did you pick that up? Where did you pick uh, that up? I can't remember I picked that up. I, I remember, again, it was a black and white digest of a um, of the American. So it wasn't uh-huh. the American issue. It was a black and white English reprint, which is yeah. where I read most of my um, uh, initial comics. Um, and it was just reprinted the entirety of X-Men issue 1. And it's, you know, Cyclops Beast. Marvel girl, Iceman, Angel's like, wow, these are amazing concepts. <laughs> for, it's wild. You know, for, for an eight-year-old, yeah. Um, God knows what happened if I started on Claremont's X-Men. It would have blown my mind completely. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I like uh, big casts. I, I love comics with huge casts that all bounce off each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, yeah, that's the kind of thing that got me into comics. And that's the kind of sort of thing I like writing, the sort of thing I enjoy. So, yeah, those are the, that's where I started and that's what, what got me into it. Nice. And so from the age of eight, um, obviously you've, you've had a love of comics ever since. Yeah, so bear um, in mind, I'm only <clears throat> mid-twenties, of course, now. <laughs> right. I'm sure yeah. if anyone, anyone sat down and worked out the time period from when that comic was published yeah. and they could work out my age and it's not mid-twenties. Yeah, sorry, Sam, go on. <laughs> it's quite all right. Um, and so uh, from there, um, were you just a, a reader for a fair while before starting to try and create yourself? Or did you just, you know, jump in with both feet? No, so yeah, I mean, I read, um, I, I haven't, there's never been a period of time in my life where I have not read comics. Even I really should have been, you know, discovering more girls in my teenage years. I was <laughs> still, you know, um, picking up Peter David's Hulk, Mark Waits, um, uh, Mark Waits, Flash, um, Frank Willis Daredevil, all, all those, you know, seminal works at the time. I was, you know, plowing into and, and loving them to bits. Um, and I now work in a comic book store. So uh, as part of that, I have to read practically everything that comes out because you never know when a customer will come in and say, what's that like? And yeah. you're going, don't know, is not a good answer. Um, no. <laughs> so no, I've always um, read everything I could possibly get my hand. I've probably read too much, probably colours my work a bit, but yeah, anything I could get my hands on over the years. Um, what was your question again? <laughs> so uh, yeah, when, when when did you start creating yourself? Oh, that was it. Uh, so I worked for quite a few years in London, um, and I I commute up from the south coast, two hours there, two hours back every day on the train. That's a lot of time to sit and think about comic ideas. And so mm. yeah, for about ten years, I just wrote down ideas um, on on my laptop. And when that died, you'd you know, you'd write the back of coasters and beer mats and everything you get your hands on. Um, and then, yeah, I think 2014, 
I launched Mad Robot. Um, I started it with uh, an artist called Edward Bentley. Um, and yeah, kind of haven't looked back. I've had at least two or three books uh, published every year since then. Wow. Using, using all so those proper ideas, solid. All those ideas. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate that I... Yeah, because it's, it's a tremendous amount of work, isn't it? Putting a comic book out, yes. Yeah, people don't realise how much yes. it really is. I mean, stupidly, I also yeah. enjoy helping others make books. I've, I've helped many other people put their books out. And yeah, it is. It's a, it's a massive investment, but the rewards are, are phenomenal. You know, to produce yeah. something that you can be proud of is, you know, you know what it's like, Sam. When you get you get your first yeah. fresh mint copies of your new book. You, you know, you're cracking, uh-huh. open, cracking open those packages from for, probably from CPUK, and you know you get that new book smell, and it's just yeah, it's just something special. It's special every single time. So, hundred percent, man. And then just getting that feedback <clears throat> from readers um, is is absolutely awesome. It is. Um, well, yeah. when they like it. <laughs> I must admit, I don't get a great deal of negative feedback. Um, I put out a yeah, mental book last year uh, with Rob Jones called Helen Stalingrad, and that got like great mm-hmm. reviews. Yeah. And I got a few people just going, yeah. "Oh, it's a bit, just very in, very in depth, very kind of um, uh, passionate and kind of yeah, quite a blood soaked crazed book." Um, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, but even so, I've, I've never had a book that hasn't had uh, great reviews from someone or other. So yeah, no, it's as you say getting people to get in those finding people are fans of your work is um it's a crazy thing isn't it you're like really you, you like you like my, my work i was just writing it for me <laughs> you want more yeah it is a bit a bit mental it is cool it's really cool that's awesome um excellent and so heading back to our bunker uh-huh. um then uh, and you're still contemplating comics and uh, the next question that crops up is... I'm probably sitting there trying to work out what deadlines I've got still. I mean, the human race has been exterminated and I'm probably still behind on something. <laughs> Definitely. Still got a massive to-do list. I've still got a massive uh, to-do list. Yeah. So half these people on this to-do list are dead, but I've still got to do the stuff. <laughs> still got to follow through, you know, uh-huh. if you make a promise. Always. They'll probably still find some way to email me, ask me where, where the script is, where the art is. <laughs> From beyond the grave. From beyond the grave. Speaking. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you. Uh, the next question that crops up is, "What's the funniest comic that you've read?" Um, so I'm gonna probably go with something that's not not laugh out loud funny, but something that I, I, I think I can think of a comic moment that I really, you know, every time I think about it, it makes me smile. Um. And it's a, uh, it's a Grant Morrison story of all things. Not you know, not relatively known for his for his humour. Um, uh, he did a um, he took over the Justice League book. Um, I think it was early two thousands. Um, and up until that point, it had been a humorous book. It had been written by uh, Keith Giffen and J M Dematis. Mark De- De- I can never work if it's Dematis or Dematteis. De- 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 Anyway, that creative team were on Justice League. It was a humorous book. Grant Morrison took over, and it was no longer a humorous book. Um, it was, you know, he played it straight, and he brought in, um, brought in the cast of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Flash, Martian Man, Aquaman. Yeah, the the at that time the the big guns. Um, that kind of lineup hadn't been done for oh, and 
good number of years, at least before um, Crisis on Infinite Earths. So at least 10, 15 years. They hadn't had uh, a Justice League lineup that included all those big characters. And the argument was that you modern comics, at that, the argument at that time, stop me if I'm not going off on a tangent here, by the way, Sam, I will talk about comics all day long. <laughs> Quite all right, Matt. Keep going. At, that, at that time, it was the, the conventional, conventional wisdom was that you could not have the big characters in the team books. Avengers, Avengers at that time had Cap, but no Thor, no Iron Man. It was all like the lesser tier characters because you could do things with those lesser tier characters. You could write, change things in their lives that you couldn't do. You couldn't have Iron Man lose an arm in, in the Avengers because the guy writing the Iron Man book would be like, oh, hang on, that should happen in the Iron Man book, a big thing like that. So, yeah, it was at the time... Mm-hmm. The, the conventional wisdom that you could not write a big team book with all the big main characters um, and have it successful. But Morrison said, uh, no, that's <laughs> a bad idea. I think I can do a better job of that. Um, and uh, yeah, he went, he created this Justice League, which included Batman. Again, at that time, the idea of Batman in the Justice League was like, you know, well, what's the point? You've got Superman. He's stupidly powerful. Wonder Woman, stupidly powerful. Flash, you know, incredibly fast, incredibly powerful. Green Lantern's got a magic wishing ring. What's a guy in a in a rat suit, flying rat suit, going to do? And Grant Morrison created a Batman within the framework of that Justice League, who was just an absolute master planner. He could see everything coming a mile off. He was smarter than he's the smartest guy in the room by far, and that's how he, he justified his worth in Justice League. I am getting to the point here. I will promise get to the point. <laughs> so, what was I saying? Clark Morrison launched Justice League, JLA, the book was called JLA, um, and I think it's issue three, I think. So if issue one, they introduce a, a team of superheroes called the Hyper Clan. They're all incredibly powerful. They can all fly, they've all got super speed, um, they've all got heat, they've all got laser vision, they're all super fast, they're all really, really powerful. They turn up on Earth. They start feeding the hungry. They start killing the criminals. They start doing all the stuff that people want the Justice League to do. People are like, yay, HyperClan, boo, Justice League. Mm-hmm. Um, so Justice League find out that the HyperClan are bad, go to confront them and get their backsides kicked because the HyperClan are far more powerful. The only person who uh, is left, so everyone gets captured apart from Batman, Batman's flying in his Batplane, he gets blown out of the sky, crashes in a big explosion, flames everywhere. So, yeah, Batman looks like he's dead. Um, I think it's the start of issue, end of issue three. They're all, so all the Justice League are captured. Um, the Hypercloud are victorious, and one of the Hypercloud says, oh, hang on, we're, we're missing like three of our members. Um Oh, no, so we're missing one of our members, and they find him strung up with like a bat symbol on him. And they're like, okay, how's Batman managed to defeat someone who's basically as powerful as Superman? And then you cut to Batman, and he's been cornered by three of the three of the hyperclad, three of these absolutely utterly powerful, inhumanly, you know, Superman level um, superhero supervillains. And he's standing there. Um, calmly with a smile on his face holding a little tiny box in his hand I'm, I'm hoping I'm getting these details right because it's all from memory he's <laughs> um, holding a little box in his hand and uh, the hyper clan uh, you know they're dancing around and they're like well we're going to rip you to pieces 
what's that smell? One of them says, oh, we're going to, we're going to destroy you. you. You've nothing you can do. You, you know, we're fast. We're going to shred you. We're going to rip, rip you apart. And Batman just smiles and says, you're Martians. You've got super speed. You're, you know, you're super strong. You've got all the same powers as a Martian Manhunter. You're Martians. And they're like, that's not true, but even if it was, so what? And he's like, well, Martians are scared of fire. And flips a, flips a little box in his hand, and it's a Zippo lighter, a tiny little flame. Mm. And they're like, how are you going to... Even if we were Martians, we're not scared of a tiny flame. And then Batman drops the flame into the pool of gasoline that he's been standing in for 10 minutes, which was the smell that they could smell, and it goes up in flames. And, of course, the hypercad is screaming and, you know, falling around because fire helped. Fire damages Martians. Martians are bombed to fire. Batman just stands there in the chaos, cracks his knuckles, smiles and just says, ready when you are. And it's just that <laughs> beautiful moment. And it's not meant to be comical, but for me, it's just that beautiful moment of him totally and utterly outwitting them in every possible way with some gasoline, a tiny little lighter. And yeah, I mean, about four or five pages later, you just see him, see him dragging three of them behind him on, on like bat ropes <laughs> just you know, like, dusting his hands off. Yeah, well, I've done my bit. <laughs> How are you going, nice. Superman? You're still fighting that guy. Yeah, I, I got I got three of them here. Thanks very much. It's just yeah, it's it's not intentionally funny, but it made me laugh. Oh no, that's great. That's a really long, no, story. Yeah. really long story, Sam. I'm so sorry. <laughs> not at all. It, need, it needed all of the context and everything I, like I, that. I'm gonna. I'll keep the other answers shorter. I promise. <laughs> but no, it's it's so humorous when you kind of like have a payoff like that. Oh, I love, um, I love that. I love the setup and payoff in comics. Really yeah. do. Yeah, totally. Um, and particularly kind of when it's like it's literally a, a drop the mic or drop the lighter. Yeah. In this case, moment. Yeah. Um, that's that's fantastic. Um, and no, well, well worth the story, Matt. So. I forgot the details. Right, I don't want to don't want an email from Grant going. Well, that's totally not my road. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not. Um, but uh, let's let's hope you, you do get it right. Um, now, uh, going back to our bunker, uh, the next question that comes up changes gears, um, and it's what's the saddest comic that you've read? That's hard. I tend not to. Uh, I tend not to dwell too much on that. I mean. Um, I suppose recently you've got the last issue of Saga. Um, mm-hmm. I, have you read the last issue of Saga? I have not yet. Okay. Okay. I won't spoil it for you or anyone else, but it ends on a cliffhanger. And if what happens appears to happen, then it's a heartbreaking moment. Um and they're on a hiatus at the moment, aren't they? I think they're meant to be coming back yes. within a within a year. I think that was hey. at least at least two years two years ago. Now, oh yeah, maybe. I believe it was July twenty eighteen. Yeah. Okay. That's, so it's been out well over that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, they left on a hell of a cliffhanger that um, everyone who like me who was reading the book on a on a regular basis ripped our hearts out and stamped it on the floor and and then <laughs> you turn the page and there's Brian uh, K. Bourne going, right, we're going to take a break. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're like, no, 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 you can't take a break. No, no, don't. Where are you going? No, I need I need to know what happens next. Yeah, so no, that's, um, yeah, that's heartbreaking. Um, I think also as well, can I have more, more than one answer to a question? Yeah. Can I have yeah. more? Um, 
there was a book I read last year called Vanny. Uh, Vanny. Uh, a writer called uh, Lindsay Pollock and an artist called Benjamin Dix. Um, so it was about this, uh, like a, a small press um, indie book about the Sri Lankan Civil War, um, about told from the viewpoint of someone who survived the Civil War, um, you know, ended up living in in the UK. But the 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 things the things he went through. Um, it's one of those things that even kind of trying to talk about it is a little bit kind of upsetting. I, I did not yeah. go into that book expecting it to be um, as brutal and as honest and as horrific as it was. So, yeah, if you ever get a chart, like, I'm trying to think, honestly, maybe it's saw in Penguin Press. I'm not really sure. I can't think. Oh, it might be Myriad. I'm trying to think who the publisher is. But, yeah, V-A-N-N-I, Danny. And, yeah, no, it's... Power, very, very powerful work if you get a chance to read it. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's so heartbreaking, particularly when you know it's kind of, you know, based on true events. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. But that's the horrific thing as well. You're so used to reading yeah. horrible things in comics, but it's just, it's, you know, yeah. read an issue of Hell, uh, Hellblazer, um, mm-hmm. and it's horrific stuff, but it's fiction. It's, yeah. yeah, it's totally fiction. Yeah. When, it's, when you're reading a comic work that's based in reality, you know that. I think to me that makes it all the all the much um, more powerful. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Now, uh, changing gears once again, the next question that crops up in your mind um, whilst the the um, robot civil war yeah, is still I'm going on. The by the way, am I listening to the civil war going on up ahead? Am I? Yeah, exactly. There's there's okay. definitely dust falling from the ceiling. Have they figured um, out how it, to transform a... yet? Is what I want to know. Have they figured out how to transform. <laughs> I'd say we're at that point. Definitely. Okay. Um, there's transforming going on, um, but thankfully you've, you've kind of set up a few cameras, so you've got a live feed, and you're okay. able to watch it. I'm very happy now. The world world can end now if I get my own live Transformers film. That's better than the live Transformers films. <laughs> oh, let's hope so. Yeah, um, and the uh, question that crops up is, what's the scariest comic that you've read? Um, ooh, again. I don't know. I can think of horrific stuff. Um, I was actually only talking uh, to a fellow comic book creator yesterday. Um, I'm sure he won't mind if I mention his name. Uh, Andrew Clemson. Uh, he writes uh, Bet Noir and Damsel from Distress. Yes. Yeah, he, he'll, love, he'll love getting name checked. He's um, also been on the show, so you, everybody can track back back to that as well if they want to have a listen to Andrew. Oh, there you go. I bet he didn't yeah. name check me. <laughs> 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 I'd, I'd like to think so. I'm the editor on his books. So I'd like to think so. But yeah, anyway, yeah, we were talking about um, the second issue of uh, Bet Noir, the book that I, I published for him. Mm, yeah. Um, and there's a oh, again. I don't want to give away too much here. There's a scene where a, a female character dies, and a male character reacts to it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's about. I think I, that's all I say at this moment. But we yeah. were, we were worried that. Um, do, do you remember the uh, uh, the Phrygian, um stuff that was around a few years ago? But it's from the Green Lantern story. Um, yeah. Alex DeWitt, I think, isn't he? Alex DeWitt, yeah. So Carl Rayner's girlfriend, Alex DeWitt, gets basically... Um, Carl Rayner comes home after defeating the bad guy, walks into his flat, opens his fridge, and his girlfriend's been um, beaten to death and shoved into the fridge, which is... 
yeah, horrific. Horrendous. <laughs> yeah, horrendous is another, and, you know, cause a lot of outrage and a lot of, you know, examination of the, the, the tropes in, um, in comic books. I mean, it's there. She dies solely to give him, like, a backstory, to give him something to yeah. be angry about, which is, you know, it's, it's absolutely horrific. So, yeah, for me, that, yeah, as, as I say, yeah, me and Andy were talking about his book in relation to that moment yesterday. I hope he doesn't mind me talking about this. Um, and how, yeah, we would change a few things to kind of make sure we didn't, because the last thing we want to do is go down that route. Um, mm. So, yeah, that's pretty horrific. Um, I reread the boys recently after watching the the tv show which i adored cool um have you read read the original garth ennis boys stuff? it's actually on my reading list um so yeah i'm, I'm waiting to see i mean i've watched i've watched the tv show um but uh it is on on my reading list of which is uh growing week on week with this podcast <laughs> So yeah, working in a in a comic book shop, um, you, a lot we'd be sold so many copies of the collected edition of the boys back to the TV show, and the the That's people the, the the customers come in and they go, oh, it's oh, it's so so wrong and it's so disturbing. And you hand them the the graphic novel and you say, yeah, the TV show doesn't touch the stuff that happens in the, in the books, <laughs> and they look at you and they think you're like, no, I'm, I'm honestly not joking. Seriously, I mean the the TV show is different. It's more about you know the social media aspect and the media manipulation. Yeah. It's more about the seven than it is the boys. But no, the stuff that Garth does in, in that um, uh, first first even the first few issues. Well, not just the first few issues. He has a Highlander for memory eating a baby at one point, which was just you know just oh. Yeah, I thought that for you. <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. Oh, but yeah, that, that, that's pretty that's horrifying. Scary, as horrifying as it gets. Yeah, very much so. Um, we also sell copies of mouse as well to people who come in the, in the yeah. shop. The local, um, uh, the uh, uh, the comic shop I work is in Chichester in West in West Sussex, and the local right. university has a. Um, they one of the modules on one of the writing courses is about graphic novels, so they come in with a reading list given to them by uni. We, you know, I sell them a copy of Mouse, and they're like, "Oh, sweet animals!" No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Yeah, so yeah, I often see people come back a little bit traumatized by that, and you know, it's good they are traumatized by it because, um, well, you'd hope so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's a book that everyone should read at some yeah. point in their life. Definitely. Sorry, I've gone off on tangents again, haven't I? Not at all, not at all. Those are good tangents. Um, tangents are good. It, it kind of it brings us nice surprises. Okay. Um, and, and and that was great, Matt. This, this is uh, now I write comics for a living, yeah. and then I, I work in a comic book store for a living. So um, don't get, <laughs> don't get me started talking about comics. I'll never stop. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and uh, the next question that crops up um, whilst the uh, the battle of the robots continues is uh what's your favorite cover that's really hard i was it's a really tough one it really is um i was moving a bunch of comics the other day and i found on my old brian michael bendis daredevil covers um uh, he, 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 the covers uh, the alex malev covers are great and you've got people like david mack and, and so many others just to do really clever design work um I've got to say, it's not my favourite cover, but when anyone else, anyone says comic book cover to me, what always springs to mind is Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man issue one. 
Right. Because I remember walking into <clears throat> Dave's Comics in Brighton. Oh, I'm, I'm plugging another comic book shop now. That's terrible. I'll get fired. Oh, no. <laughs> so I, I work for Comics, Games and Coffee in Chichester. Go there instead. But no, no Dave's, <laughs> Dave's, uh, Dave's, Dave's Comics is a lovely, lovely place in Brighton. I remember going in there when I was maybe, um, oh, I don't know, what would I have been? Probably late teens. And they, Spider-Man issue one by Todd McFarlane had just come out. And it was a. Do you know the cover at all? It's. Um, yeah, I've got it up in front of me right now. So yeah, it's all all the webs. Peter crouched down in that kind of. I mean, that cover's been homaged and redone so many times. But yeah, I walked into Dave's, and the entire wall of the shop was just that single issue. They just put. They've replaced every comic in the shop with that one single issue. So as far as the eye could see, wow. and, and they were silver, silver variants as well. Mm. And that, yeah, that left an indelible mark on my soul that moment. Just like, <laughs> oh my God, okay, so this comic's going to be quite popular then. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I really like um, uh, anything really by, I don't know, uh, Bill Sinkovich, Alan Davis's Excalibur stuff. I always found those to be really hilariously funny and well crafted covers. So. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, no, believe it or not, uh, yeah, Tom McFarlane's issue one, Spider-Man. Yeah, jumps out. Um, and uh, yeah, well, a tremendous amount of uh, of detail. And as you say, it's kind of um, been kind of homaged many a time. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, no, um, for, for anybody that, that hasn't come across it, I mean, you can just Google it, um, Spider-Man number one, Todd McFarlane, it will come up straight away. But yeah. basically kind of, Spider-Man's trapped in his own webbing with loads of spiders. Yeah, um, like kind of. Todd's even ripped it off himself. He's he's done spawn covers, um, yeah. with the same thing. Yeah, it's one of those very much copied copied pieces of work, imitated pieces of work. Definitely, and now it's fantastic, um, and and definitely worth it. Worth a, a gander, um, and a great great hand positions as well. <laughs> Um, and it's it's always interesting looking at those those kinds of details. Um, I find um, particularly with covers where it's kind of it's it's so enlarged because obviously hands and feet are probably the most some of the most difficult things yeah. to get yeah. right with perspective well, and everything yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. I thank uh, I'm thankful every day that I don't well, I don't have any artistic skill. Well, actually, I would love to be able to draw, but I have no artistic skill at all. So yeah, I'm so, always kind of. Um, enamored yeah, by by how good people can be yeah it really i'm always in awe of how good people will be it's kind of lucky i can't draw i'd probably make more comics and then i would kill myself with exhaustion so <laughs> but yeah no that um del Kion's hulk as well he did a hulk issue where uh, i think it was based on jack nicholson's face with literally mm. just just the hulk's face it was back in the day when the hulk was kind of quite cunning and evil and he's just pressed up against the as close to the screen as possible with this grin that looks like it's from the shining um that's one that always kind of stuck with me for years and years um it's uh, it's, it's, it's issue three something of incredible hulk uh, do you have that one somewhere as well can you google that one three seven nine three seven nine right three, seven nine of incredible hulk um, as well, yeah, I'm a big fan of big fan of that to cover. Yeah, that's I'm a sure really good one. More, I'm sure they're more worth than that, but those are the ones that for me, yeah, yeah. Stick in my mind. 
exactly and and that's what it's all about it's just you know if it stands out to you um and uh those are those are worthy covers totally matt so uh, great choices uh i put a load of comics in the post for a a friend of mine this morning and there was a david dave i put a load of copies of neil gaiman's norse mythology in Mm -hmm. the post for a friend and there's a dave uh, it's david mac yeah david mac um did the variants on those comics and they are stunning are absolutely yeah. amazing beautiful beautiful stuff there's one i think it's thor his version of thor that is just yeah if you get a chance again google that eye-catching go buy the book from my comic nice. book store yes cgc <laughs> um chichester right that's it that's the one yeah because <laughs> i'm in winchester so your sister store is in uh in my neck of the woods hey you know our sister store yeah 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 <laughs> we have, yeah we're a franchise ish <laughs> we, have, we have two shops uh, until, exactly. we, until the owner decides to open another one which you know could happen okay awesome. oh, that's cool. yeah if you pop in yeah um yeah say hi well say hi for me i talk to the guys there every day so yeah don't say hi for me <laughs> <laughs> i'll think of something mean for you to say and then they, then they can call you up and say what did you say <laughs> yeah and then they probably will yeah <laughs> listen, listen to this podcast and, and Sam and Alan are like, why do you not mention our names? I'm like, oh, I did Sam and Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, now, um, moving on to our next question. Um, you ask yourself, what's the most meaningful comic to me? Um, so this is probably going to seem a bit weird to some people, but it's a Transformers book. Um, it's the very last issue of a book called Lost Light by a writer called James Roberts. Uh, I think the artist was Jack Lawrence on that on that last issue. Um, and it's uh, James Roberts wrote Transformers for 10 years. He wrote a book called More Than Meets the Eye. Um, they picked up a bunch of awards. It was it regularly made people's best end, best uh, end of year best lists. Um, it to my mind, it's not just a good Transformers book. It's one of the, the cleverest, finest pieces of work I've yeah I've ever read. I cannot get people to pick it up because they go ah giant robots, uh, giant toy robots. I won't touch it. And yet it's um, it's a book about relationships and politics and um, grief and PTSD. And it's just it it uses the the tools of it being in, you know, in human robots to tell stories that, uh, you know, I'm not even certain you can get away with in, in a normal piece of fiction. Anyway, so uh, issue 25 of Lost Light is the last, because um, he, re- he re- relaunched the book. More than me, I ran for uh, 60 odd issues. They relaunched re- Lost Light around the 25 issues. The last issue is, um, it's an A and B story. The A story is set hundreds of years in the future and it's all the cast coming back together to meet up at the funeral of one of their, you know, one of the, the, their friends. It's got a quite a large cast. It's about 15 regular cast members in the, in the, the uh, book. And you will find out what's happened to them all in intervening years. And most of them, their lives have not gone well. They, you know, they drifted back into bad habits. Some are in jail. Some have become almost like recluses. Some have done quite well, but generally speaking, they've all completely drifted apart, and many have you know lost their ways or trying to recapture past glories. The B plot line is set in the present day, and you see 
um, you see the last moment they're together. So you see their ships being decommissioned because they're in a spaceship, they travel the galaxy. Ships being decommissioned. Um, so it's the beginning of the end and the end of the end just juxtaposed against each other. And it's heartbreaking to see all the friendships that are there at the time and how they've fallen apart. Cleverly, it's not quite what it appears. You think that you've got two parts of the same story and it's not quite, I don't want to spoil anything, it's not quite what it appears to be. There's a very clever twist at the end. But by and large, the whole book is about, you know, the, the path's not taken and how at the end of the day there are moments in your lives that are important to you and it's not the things that happen in those moments it's the people you share those moments with that actually matter so yeah it's it's one of those things that you know when I'm feeling oh I haven't done enough of my life or I haven't achieved enough I think well yeah but I've got all these people I work with all these friends around me I've got my, you know, my lovely wife and, and all my family and that's those people who I share my life with, that's what matters. And for me, that book, that comic, encapsulates that moment. I'll get down off my soapbox now. <laughs> no, that is beautiful, Matt. That is beautiful. Um, and uh, no, it's it's so great when... Big fan uh, of oh, what, sorry? I'm a big fan of that. It's a big fan of James James Roberts' work and a big fan of that book. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, think, I, hope, I think maybe that came across. But yeah, I love that, that book. <laughs> yeah, just about. Um, but uh, no, it's so nice um, when uh, a story is able to encapsulate that kind of feeling within you and you can carry that forward with you. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's always going to be there. And uh, yeah, you, you, you can definitely try to pass it on. And that's got definitely got me interested in wanting to read read that run. Um, definitely. So it's, I'm, I'm definitely keen to pick that up. The thing is, it's so hard to drop into as well because it, it, it begins right. steeped in Transformer lore and it's so off-book into right. some people. But if you can, I, I guarantee you it's so, mm. so rewarding. That's yeah. awesome, man. Okay, sorry. I, I'll change the Excellent. <laughs> it's all good. I mean, kind of, you know, going in a, in a similar vein, um, what's the most underrated comic to you? Oh, damn. Can I use my last answer for that one then? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so, yeah, it would Double be, I, I mean, it would be more than meets the eye. It would literally be the book I was just talking about because it gets passed over because um, it's not it's not cool. It's not dark. It's not edgy. Well, it is all those things, but it doesn't look as if it is because it's about giant transforming robots. Mm. So, but yeah, no, it's it's about politics. Um think what else it's it covers about class war political theories introduce the concept of, of gay transformers um racism discrimination mm-hmm. um even just uh, there's racism within you know transformers society because some are some transformers are constructed some transformers right. are born and you know um, it's almost like an, uh, an apartheid kind of like a, uh, a cycle discrimination thing where, you know, the, the ones who are born are like, you know, to use a Harry Potter analogy, are like purebloods. Yeah. And the, the ones that are constructed are, are knockoffs. They're, le- they're seen as lesser. And again, it becomes, yeah, it becomes a, a, a discrimination type um, situation. It's a clever, clever book. Um, I think I mentioned the, the Giffen and Dematis Justice League earlier. It's that type of 
humorous, funny, utterly human piece of work where you utterly care about the characters and what's going to happen to them. But in the Justice yeah. League, you know, they, there's only so far they can take before, you know, uh, DC and Warners will turn around and say, no, you, you, you can't do that. Whereas more than meets the eye, someone dies, someone's going to die. That character's not coming back. You, you know that, you know, you, dead means dead. It's one of the few comic situations where, you know, dead does mean dead. Um, so, yeah, that, if you ask me an underrated comic that I want more people to read, it would be yeah, more than meets the eye. Excellent. Another one added to the uh, to the reading list. Please, um, please do. I'll send you the trades. Amazing. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> on it. Honestly, next time I see you at a, com- uh, a convention, are you um are you in Thought Bubble? Unfortunately, not. I'm not going to be able to do that this year. MCM in London, October. Oh, have we got it? Is it, have they booked it for October? MTM in that October. Uh, Didn't realise. I'll have to get in touch because I was booked in for the um, MCM London in May 2020. Yeah, I was. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'll have to follow them up on that yeah. and uh, see if I can get in for the October one. Definitely. Yeah. I will. If you're there, I will find you and I will bring you I'll bring you the, the first trader more than meets the eye. Amazing. And sit and watch you read it. No, no, no. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you must read it now. Yes, yeah, no, uh, yeah. I've got yeah. sales to make. Nope. No, go, go. Oh, oh, this book looks good. No, it's not. Go away. Go, go to another stand. Don't be stand. Don't be stand. Stuff. He's busy. No, yeah, I'll bring you over. You have a look at it, mate. I promise. Exactly. All good. Uh, now, um, moving on to our penultimate question in regards to comics. Uh, what comic would you recommend to a friend who's never read comics? Um, so I, I get a lot of this question in the shop um, from younger readers um, there are so many good um, I'm trying to think so you've got so many good uh, all ages books out there at the moment all ages market is, is huge um, and it's there's a lot of studies that link literacy to um, to uh, uh, literature in, in children and young adults to comic reading so I'm always trying to Push. Um, I'm trying to think books like uh, like Amulet and uh, Monkey versus uh, Bunny, um, those sort of stuff onto young readers. Um, if it's mm-hmm. an if it's a, an, an older reader, probably something like Runaways, the uh, Brian K. Vaughan uh, series, the, the original one from mm-hmm. that's about 10, 10, 20 years old now, isn't it? Runaways, something like that, um, because it's just it's set in the Marvel universe, and you know Marvel got a lot of goodwill towards them at the moment. Um, so people, I think, would be more inclined to pick it up. But it's an entirely new cast, entirely new set of circumstances, interesting characters, pretty easy to read. It's very soap opery type TV show type stuff. So yeah, I'd probably go with yeah, yeah, probably go Runaways. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good choice. Might, might have dated um, a little actually Runaways, but I think it's still. Still pretty solid, I think. I mean, um, yeah. they made a TV show of it recently, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So and I was kind of, I always kind of link it up with that and um, get them get them into comics from there. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully more and more people will, will begin to start picking up comics as more and more things do become kind of mainstream. Um, well, we sold a lot of graphic novels over lockdown, or or between the lockdown, I should say. People coming in yes. and, and stocking up on books. Yeah, people realise that if you can't leave the house, and you, you know, your, your TV, your your novels, your graphic novels, all your your, your music, everything that kind of enriches your life, are the things you need around you. So, 
yeah, um, I think coming out of lockdown, we're going to see a lot more people coming back and buying more volumes of things that they picked up and, and read uh, whilst they're confined to their homes. Great. Well, fingers crossed. Because, um, uh, yeah, definitely definitely need that boost um, for, for, for comics at large, 100%. Now, um, coming on to our last question, um, if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be? That's a horrible question. I know. <laughs> I don't want to answer that. I don't want to answer that question. <laughs> I can I not save all of them? I I I hate that. There's no comics I like change depending upon the point of my life and I what, I, what I've read. That. But way. here's the situation, Matt. I'm going to put you in a situation so that you can make a decision. So you're in your bunker. Okay, and you've you've been watching the robots kind of taking on each other, but unfortunately, one of them has uh, kind of fallen through the ceiling of your bunker, and, and okay. everything's on fire, and you can only grab one hard copy of a comic I'm as you run out. Yourself on the fire rather than let them know. Okay, yeah, sorry. Um... <laughs> Planetary, maybe, maybe cool. planetary because planetary is a is in itself a love letter to lots of different genres and lots of different types of comics. Mm-hmm. Each each issue of planetary is about a yeah a different a different genre. You know, there's a Tarzan issue, there's a Sherlock Holmes issue, there's a Justice Society issue. There's a, uh, a Fantastic Four issue, a kaiju issue, I believe. Yeah, yeah, probably that because that's the closest thing I'm going to get to having ev- everything in one series. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. Okay. No, I, I hate you for making definitely. Me. I despise. You I know. I know. Choose. Having having to choose only one child. I know. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. What's your, choose your favorite <laughs> child to burn. Let, yeah. Choose your favorite child to stay. Let the rest of your family burn. There's your. It's like no. What a horrible yeah. thing to ask me to do. Totally. <laughs> but it's it's those gosh darn um, artificially intelligent robots. I'm afraid they they're the ones that force you into the into the situation. Okay, we're playing the robots. But along alongside of the complete works of Planetary, um, what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like to take with you as well? So you sent me this one in advance, didn't you? So I I thought about this, and it's going to be a Transformer answer again, which is going to really annoy you. So, mm, so if you've got giant killer robots, there's a thing in Transformer mythology called a scraplet. Looks like a nut and bolt. But then it transforms right. into this tiny, tiny little pair of eyes and teeth, basically, that eats metal. It's Whoa. it's it's basically like the, the, the black plague for transformers. Um and yeah, so if I had and they, they replicate at ridiculously fast rates as well. So um in order to save all the comics literature that's ever been created, I would unleash the scraplets on the uh on the robot war so i take a single scraplet with me they they breed they they replicate and and they don't like they've got no interest at all in human flesh i'd be fine i'd I'd watch the robots get eaten by miniature smaller robots 
um, so there you go. Does that, does that work as a as a solution? 100%. To the uprising? Scrap. Totally. Another thing. Yeah, so a single scrap that will replicate and completely demolish all of the uh, artificially, artificially intelligent robots. Yeah. Um, but seemingly it will eat all metal, yeah. I assume. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, society might be a, a bit problematic after that point. Yeah, exactly. But you know, it's okay. You're gonna you're gonna be able to start over, but you'll have to try and kill all of the scraplets after afterwards. <laughs> Maybe they die out, I guess, when when they don't have any metal left. Hopefully, they eat each other because they're also made of metal, which is always a bit weird. So Bingo. they're it's sort yeah. of cannibalistic. I mean, there's a isn't there a a structure in Georgia somewhere that contains all the information you need to restart society? I remember yeah. re- reading that recently. There is, there is, isn't there? It's like a, a stone pillars in Georgia that contains instructions on how to rebuild society after an apocalypse. Oh wow! So cool. as long as it's stone, and, it, and yeah, and, and as long as I can find some way to travel across the ocean without metal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you can, you can you can make Viking longboats. And then yeah. kind of go, you know, via, via, via Greenland, Iceland, well, Iceland, Greenland, and on through Canada. Yep, I'm well known for my skill in making Viking longboats. Um, <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I, I think it's quite quite obvious that if any of us ever did survive an apocalypse, we'd die within about a week because none of us have any, yeah. any, any useful skills. Real world skills. <laughs> no. no like, oh, well, I, can, I can edit a comic book with that. That helped me feed myself. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah so yeah scraplets and then I try to have to live on uh, in my wooden structure from then onwards but I've I've still got my paper comic books because they'd survive exactly bingo good as gold (laughs) excellent well Matt Hardy thank you so much for showing your comics for the apocalypse it's been a real pleasure thank you very much Sam Uh, um, thank you for having me on no worries and for the listeners one more time where can they find you online uh www.madrobotcomics.com or yeah facebook twitter instagram uh just search for matt hardy excellent um, and as we were previously saying as well hopefully our paths will cross uh, comic con either at the mcm london one in october or um perhaps early next year yeah absolutely mate i'd be uh um nice to see you it really would be nice to get back to those conventions as well i know so many people are missing them at the moment um very much so it's yeah it's just it's not the same it's it's just the networking it's just catching up with friends seeing what people have been working on yeah Yeah. so i'm I'm down for mcm and thought bubble this year so um you should try even if you're not exhibiting at thought bubble you should try to swing by if you can yeah i'd love to um bit of a mission uh with a young family and all of that jazz. Oh, but, yeah, uh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that makes things uh, problematic. But um, no, um, I'll, I'll definitely try to make the uh, MCM London. Um, that's a lot more doable uh, where I am in the world. But yeah, uh, yeah fingers crossed, mate. Um, but apart from that, um, I'll, uh, I'll see you on Twitter. Yeah, indeed, mate. Thank you very much again. And awesome. um, uh, uh, thank you. Not, oh, yeah, on behalf of Kieran as well, thank you. And he yes. probably want me to mention Oculus once, one more time. Uh, yes, exactly. Definitely go check out Oculus, folks. Oculus, Mistress of Magic on Kickstarter now from Broadcast Comics. There you go. That's <laughs> he, he, can, he can stop emailing me now. Um, right, so, <laughs> thanks for your time, mate. It's appreciated. Pleasure, Matt. You take care, mate. Have a good day. Take care. See you later. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Matt for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure.
If you enjoyed the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Matt's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.